I'm Emilia Veola, a Senior Wealth Planner at UBP, and today I'd like to share my podcast conversation with my colleague Mikko Berlund. We talked about how we serve and guide our clients and add value to their wealth. So, Emilia, um, could you explain us uh, a bit about your role as a wealth planner at UBP? Yes, uh, I will try. Um, I'm not sure there's a real definition of a wealth planner, but the wealth planner is typically a lawyer with some sort of tax background. And uh, basically, we help uh, clients navigate and manage their tax affairs um, related to their wealth. Uh, wealth is typically in the form of, of uh, securities, uh, real estate. Uh, it can be cryptocurrencies. It can be a classic car collection, basically everything. And uh, typically... Uh, investments are in, in various jurisdictions and uh, also our clients tend to have homes in, in uh, different countries and spend time uh, between those homes. So actually from a tax point of view, it can get quite complex. So basically you have to be quite well aware of different cross-border rules uh, when you give, uh, I wouldn't say advice, but navigate through Absolutely. The, the massive wealth. Yeah, what makes it complex is the international aspects and the different rules in various countries. And also, I would say, uh, the fast-paced uh, tax environment. Uh, so everything is changing all the time. Um, we cannot give advice. We are not, uh, we are, a bank is not authorized to give tax advice. What we do is, is that we, uh, we highlight different uh, risks, opportunities, and then we, we share information with clients and then guide them forward to an expert who can uh, assist with the legal or the tax issue. So basically you're a, you're a discussion partner uh, for our clientele. Yes. Excellent. So uh, any key priorities uh, that you come across when, when talking to this uh, clientele we have? Uh, wealth accumulation, preservation, or, or transfer of wealth. I'm guessing that all of these matters come into discussion uh, when, you, when you start that. Uh, absolutely. I would say uh, one of the key priorities right now is that um, I would say that the current structures of our clientele have been set up maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And, and now with a lot of various new uh, EU tax rules and, and domestic tax rules are, are uh, coming into force, we have to look at, does it make sense to keep the existing structure? Do we need to change it? Uh, we see a lot of repatriation of assets back to the client's home countries. There's definitely a, a tendency to to uh, move assets uh, to the country where you actually stay because uh, international regulations make it more and more difficult to have, let's say, pure holding companies without substance abroad. Um, so, so I would say this is one of the key trends. And as always with our clientele, there's always uh, individuals uh, considering a relocation to, to another country, um, considering investing in real estate in other countries. Uh, these are typically uh, topics that we discuss with our clients. Excellent. So you, you basically you help our existing clientele uh, with their uh, wealth uh, structuring and also help the new clients from, 
from onboarding to actually becoming clients. So all the way you, you act like a discussion partner and help them uh, understand um, their own situation better and, and what is possible to do and what is not possible. Uh, absolutely. I, I try to be involved with new clients as early as possible as well uh, to help discuss with the client what are the different options to structure wealth in his current jurisdiction. If, does he have any plans that would affect that? And then we try to make sure that we open the account uh, in, in the relevant setup that makes sense for the client from a, from a, from a legal perspective, tax perspective, and also based on his uh, plans. Excellent. So, um, what do you think would be the most important qualities to have as a wealth planner? Um, obviously, you're an expert, so you know you have to understand complex legal uh, concepts. Uh, but a bit like a person, what do you? What would you raise up? I think it's important to to know your clients. Um, to, to try to create an atmosphere where they feel comfortable discussing these topics. They can uh, often be quite sensitive, especially when we are talking about wills or transfers to the next generation. Estate planning. Estate I, I, planning. I'm guessing that that's a big subject in every family. Absolutely. Prenuptial agreements. I mean, these can be quite sensitive topics. And, and also it's important to, to really spend time with clients so you actually... Uh, do know the background, do know the plans, because that, that's a kind of understanding that, that you also develop over time. And it's also important to check back because plans tend to, to, to change quite frequently. Mm. And I think once a year is, is a good minimum um, to, to have a conversation, just a general conversation on, on the client's planning and, and current uh, uh, what's happening in the client's life, basically. As I've seen, we worked together for several years now, so um, I can attest to that, that, you know, equally as bankers build uh, long-lasting relationships with clients, um, so does wealth planners also. And, and that's, a, that's a good and big effort we put into these relationships, uh, truly to try and make an impact on a positive yeah. note, of course. Mikko, uh, which type of clients do you mostly serve from Luxembourg? Do you have a regional specialization? Well, as we are an international private bank, uh, we obviously have a variety of nationalities as clients. Um, I myself sit in the Finnish team, so I mostly serve Finnish clients. Now, some of the Finns live in Finland and most of them, my clientele, are Finns living abroad. Um, so. Obviously, uh, jurisdictions, um, I have clients in France, uh, Switzerland, uh, UK. That's putting a bit of a mm -hmm. pressure, you know, since the Brexit, but mm -hmm. there's always a, a way to work around that too. Um, and then obviously in the Nordics. Um, we don't uh, discriminate, you know, uh, jurisdictions as such, mm -hmm. but there are some uh, nationalities that, that we do not onboard. Uh, just to give an example, the, the tax laws are so difficult to understand and maintain in some countries. This could be, for instance, Japan or, mm. or something like that. There's no point for a Finn to start, um, you know, open a, opening up a relationship with uh, no. some, a resident in, in Japan, even though that resident would be from the Nordics. Mm. Uh, so mostly Europe. 
mostly Europe, I'd say. Um, of course, um, you, you know, um, it is what we know mm-hmm. in, in the European Union. Um, we have a bit harmonized uh, legislation mm-hmm. in, in Europe. Uh, Probably much more to come, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, uh, mostly Europe, uh, European residents, uh, sort of. Do you see any any trends now? Where are people moving? Well, um, Switzerland is always a yeah. <laughs> topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might have to do uh, with, uh, for instance, Finland mm-hmm. has a tax agreement with Switzerland. So once you move there. You get the shelter from that tax agreement. Mm. Uh, it's very clear. Everybody knows uh, what needs to happen in, mm. in let's say, event of death. Uh, how the mm. estate in Switzerland or how the estate in Finland is taxed, and you know, very straightforward and, and clear. Uh, do you think it's ex- uh, important to be an expert of one region, and what is the added value for the client? Well, um, I mean, uh, I, I used to live in Switzerland, so I know from my own uh, experience uh, how uh, in, in different cantons the tax laws work. So, you know, it's easier to talk about from your own experience. Um, obviously, UK has one of the most complex uh, personal tax regimes, uh, in my view, mm-hmm. in the whole world, maybe. Uh, so I have a lot of clients who are uh, residents in, in UK and that you are aware of it and you know uh, and you can be of help uh, while these individuals and these families are planning to move to UK so you can you can advise them on how the system works there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, obviously, I think it's, it's a great... Uh, value add because I know that local banks in their home markets Mm -hmm. do not know how to structure these even simple things such as, you know, uh, capital accounts, interest accounts, etc. So that the individuals moving to UK would be compliant Mm -hmm. from the day one uh, and and not not necessarily in, in a year or two. No, exactly. And I, I think that clients appreciate it's, uh, it's not only uh, the taxation related to moving, it's also the, all the practical things. Definitely. So the fact Definitely. that we have lots of our, lots of clients who have done that journey before them, we are able to, to share information which makes it easier for the next family moving and to avoid some pitfalls exactly. that, and that clients yes. experience in practice. Exactly. You know, the small pitfalls mm. to be avoided. Um, yeah. I moved myself to Switzerland. Uh, I moved myself to, to Luxembourg. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you can talk about experience uh, moving abroad uh, without assistance or then moving abroad with assistance. Mm. So there's a big difference how you feel and perceive how welcome you are in the new country. Uh, you know, there's a, if someone can help in that, it, it's, a, it's a big effort and, and surely appreciated by, by the clients. What would you say is the main driver for moving abroad? Is tax a big thing or are there other considerations? I think it's always, uh, to some extent, maybe taxation perhaps, uh, but also different opportunities. If you think about UK, for instance, London has been a a big uh, private equity hub for a long time. 
obviously we have a lot of hubs, uh, private equity hubs in, in Switzerland, even mm-hmm. in Luxembourg. Um, but the thing is that, you know, London offers uh, a lot of culture, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of business opportunities, uh, big city, uh, vibrant city. So, so maybe people seek that. Then again, there's a whole lot of uh, 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 different uh, reasons. And I think it's uh, mostly individual uh, reasons, but I might usually advise, if that can be called advice, mm. is that, you know, when you're considering moving abroad, do start from the fact that where do you, where would you perceive yourself as, as being comfortable? Absolutely. And not Whatever. just to move because, you know, some tax break is 1% or 2% yeah. bigger. If you if you if you're not comfortable and and with yourself in that environment, um, that that's not a good start. So you you're definitely going to have to be entertained on your own way. I would say also uh, from my point of view that that uh, uh, political stability, climate, and and safety is important uh, when when our uh, clients move abroad. There, there can be some countries that that offer a really interesting tax regime. Uh, but if you're not really trusting the government or trust, trusting the, the society or feel safe in that country, then that's not going to be the place where you move your family. Yes, there's there might be some examples of that um, mm-hmm. in, in the sense that you have a good tax regime, but then in the past six years, you've had maybe four or five different governments. Exactly. So how much can you trust yeah. these uh, regimes to, to be in place? You know, there's always going to be the next government, the new PM and, and new reforms. So that's a good point. Stability, mm. uh, both in, in financial and, and political environment. Absolutely. And, and if you think about that, then you quickly come to the solution that, you know, actually Luxembourg is very that, that's, uh, good. That's, that's what I was thinking. I yeah. think that's why Luxembourg and Switzerland are both kind of high on the list because they offer stability and safety for families. Definitely. Why are we uh, at UBP well equipped to serve these Nordic clients? How can we make a difference? Well, first of all, um, UBP acquired Danske Bank for uh, uh, a bit more than a year ago. Mm -hmm. Um, We doubled the size uh, of UBP in in terms of uh, personnel and and you know a lot more relationship managers, Danske Bank International they were only serving Nordic clients uh, living abroad, so basically we are a big Nordic hub in Luxembourg. Um, we're probably the biggest uh, Nordic desk outside of the Nordics. So I would say when we have the Nordics who work here, we, we share the similar mentality with our clients. Mm-hmm. They know the culture by how we work. And obviously, I don't know, uh, sometimes it could be easier if you can manage your banking relationship in your own mother tongue, mm-hmm. whether it be Finnish, Swedish, uh, Danish, mm-hmm. or something like that. So uh, could give comfort and, and build trust more quickly to, to between a bank and the client and, and make it easier. Would you say only clients with some international angle can benefit or would a uh, Finnish person living in Finland, only investing in Finland, could that person also benefit uh, from working with UBP? Of course, 
Of course, we have a lot of Nordic expertise in this bank. We have almost, uh, well, I don't know, maybe 50, 60 uh, Nordic individuals uh, who have been, uh, you know, long in this business. I started mm. in 1999, so, you know, over 20 years in the business. So you develop experience and, and uh, expertise mm. on what usually drives uh, Nordic individuals, what uh, investment in uh, theses they might like or strategies that we could uh, introduce to them. Would so. it make sen- sense also to, to challenge them a little bit? Because we, we do tend to see that Nordics invest heavily into their own markets. Definitely, definitely. I mean, we it's not our job to tell to the clients that where should you invest. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course we do that. But if the uh, client is very determined to mm-hmm. invest only into one country's equities, Fine, let us help with that uh, because we have a lot of expertise mm. of that. But of course, since we're an international bank, clients should take advantage of that because mm. we have hubs all around the world, local portfolio managers, local uh, analysts. So obviously, we we do not um, have all the brain power in Geneva, but we have a, a global uh, mm. portfolio management team. Uh, advisory teams, uh, analysts, and so forth. Mm. So we have a lot of expertise that doesn't come by if you are a, a banking client mm. in, in in a local market. I mean, news hits all around the world at the same time, but it's different if you have an analyst who actually goes to these companies to mm. do the due diligence and and make recommendations and reports and and so forth. So. Definitely, I, I would encourage clients to take advantage of the international angle that we can provide. Definitely. And perhaps on the discretionary side, we don't have a particular bias towards uh, the Nordic countries. No, we don't. No, we don't. I mean, uh, bespoke uh, mandates can, of course, be tailor-made to, to whatever suits. But definitely, um, and since we're an independent, um, family-owned, non-listed bank... Uh, so obviously we 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 do our own discretionary uh, decisions um, and and we actually in Luxembourg we have a local uh, uh, portfolio management team which does uh, an amazing job at least this year has been has been really difficult um, obviously we need to follow the guidelines uh, agreed with the clients and then the view that that comes from from the headquarters. But we can do some uh, adjustments into it in the sense because we we know the clients mm. uh, here locally. So just to adapt those insights and views into their uh, strategy. Mm. So of course. So we suggest something that that uh, is in line with the with what the client is looking for. Of course, of course, that's what we we get paid for. The following question is interesting. Are you already dealing with the next generation of, of, of uh, investors? Uh, and what does it mean for you? Well, that's an amazing opportunity. Um, uh, as I've said, I, I've done this since 1999. I've had the great pleasure of meeting many, many families. 
Uh, and so at best, I have few families that we are actually introducing already the third generation, mm. step by step. Um, second generation clients, uh, I have uh, quite many of them already. And, and uh, it's amazing that you can build trust within the family so that, you know, uh, the wealth will be passed on from next generation to another one. Mm. And obviously, the sooner you you get in touch with that, with the next generation, uh, first of all, uh, you get to serve them, but also retain them as clients. And sometimes the head of the family even wants to try and make structures uh, so that they would have also a say on how those funds might be used mm. uh, after they are gone. Mm. And, and actually, that would be a great question for you to, to elaborate that. Is that actually possible or not? Ah, so you mean you are talking about uh, trust structures? Yes, definitely. Yes, we, we have. You're right. We have been looking at, at those types of structures also for Finnish resident clients. And, and the thing is, uh, which is being understood more and more, is that trusts are not used for tax purposes, really, even if there are various tax questions involved, but they just enable um, clients to have more control over the way assets are used after their death. That's basically the only vehicle that gives a lot of freedom compared to ordinary wills or, or life insurance contracts. Typically, we would use combinations. Sounds good. Um, but that, that's definitely interesting. And uh, we also see a lot of um, foundations being considered right now because families might have accumulated so much wealth that, that it doesn't even make sense to keep it all within the family, but they want to see see their wealth generate some something good in society. And, and that's where also I think that the next generation could be interested in, in getting involved with being, for example, sitting in the board of a foundation and, and seeing what the wealth can actually do. That we do see uh, a bit. Um, also, obviously, since we're talking about um, wealth preservation and, and, you know, passing on wealth. Mm. So, so um, would you have a take on when to pass uh, wealth on to the next generation? My take is that it's usually quite late in the life cycle and, and you know, there could be benefits to, to doing that a bit earlier. Absolutely. I mean... There's no problem in, in discussing the transfer of wealth in, in connection with a will, you know exactly who will get what and, and so on. But uh, I would say the next generation is not being, uh, uh, the wealth is being transferred maybe a little too late. It could be done earlier and there's perhaps a little bit of, lack of lack of trust or the feeling that that the one who has created the wealth typically an entrepreneur that he doesn't trust his kids yet with the wealth and i think it's a it's some sort of fear of, of letting go of course we have we might have quite uh, quite high uh, tax rates on gifts and and succession so that might have an impact but i would say it, it, there's a lot more more to it as well, but I also think it's it's our job maybe to to discuss that and 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 have that discussion because 
these are our discussions that you might need not even have at home. And, and they're, you know, hearing success stories from how other families have dealt with it and, and uh, maybe get some inspiration might be really useful because you can be quite alone uh, uh, thinking about this. Exactly. The, the part where we started from that, you, you being the discussion partner mm. for the family in these, in these matters also. And I must say that, you know, since ESG is finally pushing through really hard, Yes. So I'm really happy to see that the next generations, actually, uh, the new entrepreneurs making their wealth, they're really into impact investing and things mm. like that. And and that's also, I, I think, an important topic going forward because yes. we all have to contribute to the preservation of of our world. And so if, if you can do good uh, through your investments and, and make an impact, mm. who would not want that? On top, if that actually brings you more uh, better returns. So, no, I, I fully agree, and I really think that that's where the older generation and the younger generation can can meet and really uh, be excited about what wealth can do for for society as a whole, and how you can actually make money and at the same time help the the society and environment. Excellent. So, um, to draw a small conclusion, um, as an investor, uh, what would be the top things to know? When, when looking for a wealth planner? Top things to know. I would say it depends a little bit about the situation. As soon as there's some international aspect involved, I would say it, it's good to have access to a wealth planner or a team of wealth planner who can have that combined knowledge that is needed for, for the case in particular. And of course, is used to working with the same type of client profiles with this similar type of wealth structures and, and so on. Is there a way you could still summarize that? Why should anyone use uh, the service of a wealth planner and, and what's the added value for, for an investor? Mm. I would say typically uh, if you go to a tax lawyer, it's usually because you already have a problem or you, you need help with filing or something that you're aware of that you need to do. You don't go there to, to chit chat uh, every year just for the fun of it. I think that the value of the wealth planner is maybe the opportunity to have regular discussions, to, to be able to highlight potential issues, opportunities, have the important discussions that, that you need to do before you go to the lawyer and, and ask for help to set up a trust or um transfer to the next generation so it's our job to kind of have the difficult and discussions with clients thank you for listening you now have an excellent insight into the daily life and challenges of a wealth planner for more insightful discussions follow the ubp podcast mm-hmm.